We are in a series called Family Foundations. Uh, any of you, has this series been helpful for you, anybody? Like, has this been, has this been good for you? Okay, well, we're going to continue this tonight, and we're going to talk about parenting. Parenting. Uh, any parents here tonight? Okay. Uh, maybe you're raising young kids, maybe old kids, all right? Grandparents in the house, all right? Maybe you want to be a parent someday, but you're not, okay, going to be someday. And then maybe you know some parents who, who later this week, you can send this message to them, maybe send them a link and just say, hey, uh, thought of you, this might, this might have some stuff for you that could help you out. We're going to talk about parenting. Being a parent is awesome. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful thing being a parent. I know just the fact that we have this little baby in our lives now, Lila, our daughter, it's just such a joy to watch her discover the world and to grow and, and to try new things. And then, and then what's so amazing is she actually likes us back and she loves us back, right? We're going to enjoy that while it lasts. You know, amen, parents. I had kind of an uncommon journey. I was a pastor before I was a parent. And I was always looking forward to when I would be a parent. And then when we had our baby, I realized that as a pastor, I was doing a lot of parent things already. <laughs> I was helping people, you know, discover a new life in Jesus, and their eyes were being opened to the truth, and they, they were growing, and, they, and they would, they'd make mistakes sometimes, but then they'd get back on their feet, and they'd keep going, and just like a parent, you know, they'd make messes, and you'd help them clean it up, and you keep loving them anyway, because that's what God does. It's a joyful thing to be a parent. So tonight's message, I hope it will help you, it's titled, How to Be a Good Parent. Just simple. How to be a good parent. And if you're Skeptical, maybe you're thinking, oh, Ryan, how are you going to teach me to be a good parent? You know, because I've only been a, a father for about a year. Um, the thing is, I'm not going to teach you how to be a good parent. I'm going to teach you God's word. And God has been an amazing father for thousands of years, longer than you were even a twinkle in your father's eye. And his word is filled with truth. And honestly, all good preaching should be based on the word of God and not a pastor's experiences anyway. So I think this is going to help you. Let's go to Psalm 127. It says, children are a gift from the Lord. Amen, church? Let's try that again. Amen? Amen. Say it like you mean it. They are heaven's generous reward. Children born to a young couple will one day rise to protect and provide for their parents. Happy will be the couple who has many of them. A household full of children will not bring shame on your name, but victory when you face your enemies, for your offspring will have influence and honor to prevail on your behalf. It says children are a gift from the Lord. Now, I know some of you say it doesn't feel as much like a gift sometimes. Sometimes it feels more like payback from the Lord for what I did to my parents. And you tell me they're going to rise to provide for me, but I'm not sure if they're going to be the death of me or not, right? And I know a lot of parents, like, you want to be a good parent. You want to raise your kids to be successful. But sometimes uh, parents just feel like, I don't really know what I'm doing. Or I'm just doing the best I can and I make mistakes, but I want to get better. That's why some of you are here right now. I want to give you some just helpful advice tonight that comes from Scripture. I think will set you on the right path and help us all to grow as parents. Here's the first thing. Good parenting starts with a declaration. It starts with a declaration. You have got to decide in your own heart, if you want to raise kids successfully, you've got to decide personally to live for Jesus Christ. You've got to believe that God's word is true and that his way is better than your way. Real talk, being honest, some people come to church, maybe some people right now, 
and you're not there yet. You don't fully believe. Maybe you're open to God. Maybe you like some things about Jesus. Maybe you're on the fence, though, about some things. And, you know, you hear preaching sometimes. You're like, mm, I'm not so sure about that. Mm, I don't know if I agree with that. And, and that's part of the process of discovering and believing for yourself. But I can just got to be honest. Until you really believe God's way is better than your way, you will continue to struggle in relationships, in finances, and even as a parent. I've watched people continue to struggle in those things. Being a good parent starts with putting God first. you got to decide, like in Joshua 24, choose today whom you will serve, but as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. That's what the declaration has to look like. We will serve the Lord. And as a parent, you're in a position of spiritual authority to declare this on the behalf of your household. We will serve the Lord. Sometimes parents come up to me and they're like, uh, Pastor Ryan, what should I do? My kids don't want to come to church. What should I do? And I tell them, you make them. You make them, bro. Like, think about it. Like, you've got them right where you want them. You feed them. You clothe them. You provide everything that they have. Most of their lives, you're bigger than them and stronger than them. You make them. You make, it's like your house. You're the parent. And people go, oh, well, I don't want to force my kids. I want them to choose for themselves. No. 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 Do you let them choose whether or not to go to school? No. You make them go to school because if you didn't, you would go to jail. Thing is, it is a spiritual crime against your children to not make them go to your church. To church. Think about it, right? You make them brush their teeth so they don't get cavities. You make them wear a seatbelt when they drive because driving can be dangerous. There's an even greater threat that our kids are facing than cavities or car accidents. There is a real supernatural enemy who is waging a battle for their soul. He wants to destroy them. And so by bringing them to church, what we're trying to do is equip them to fight for their eternal souls. People are like, I don't want to force my religion on my kids, you know. And that's not what it is at all. You're placing a blessing upon your kids. You're not trying to shove religion down their throat. You're placing the helmet of salvation on their head and the breastplate of righteousness around their heart and the belt of truth around their waist so that they can stand against the attacks of the enemy. We want to equip them to thrive. They live under your roof. You set the priorities. Kids, get up. We're going to church. Oh, but I don't want to get up. We're going to church. And aren't you glad that we have such a great kids ministry? Kids actually like coming to our church. They like coming to our youth group. Man, make them come. And man, they, they, they might not appreciate it right now. They might not like it right now, but that's okay. You're making them come believing by faith that someday they will like it. Someday they will choose on their own to put God first in their own lives. But in the meantime, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's the declaration. There's a lot of danger that parents worry about. Um, I think it's something that all parents struggle with. Yeah, I, had a, I had just like this bad dream last week about my baby daughter that she had been injured. And in my dream, I was just like 
agonized, and I woke up, and, and I saw she was okay on the monitor, but I was just shook. I had to go to her room and, like, actually just see with my own eyes that she was okay. You know what I'm talking about, parents? Like, you've had an experience like that. Like, parents have a lot that they had to struggle with in terms of, of fear in the world that we live in today. There was a survey done about what parents feared for their kids. One of the things was sexting, drug abuse, lack of exercise, unhealthy eating, depression, suicidal thoughts, school violence, motor vehicle accidents, stress, safety on the internet. And then the top thing was actually bullying. I was surprised by that. But, but parents just want their kids to be okay. It feels sometimes like the world is fraught with danger. There's just so much out there. Some of you were like, yeah, now you've got me all stressed out about it. Thanks a lot. There's a lot to worry about potentially in this world. And so you got to take this to heart. You can't protect your kids from the world, so you've got to show them the one who's overcome the world. That's what you got to do. You've got to introduce them to Jesus Christ. They've got to know Jesus, and that is the greatest parenting win. It's not your kid getting into a great college or getting an academic scholarship, being a star athlete, getting a good job. Someone's like, I just want them to move out of my house. That's all I'm hoping for. The greatest win is your children developing a deep-rooted love for Jesus Christ, and your role as a parent is to help set that into motion. Proverbs 22.6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way he should go. First thing that stuck out to me about this passage was, he's got to go. She's got to go. She's got to choose for herself. You can't make him go. That's something that I think a lot of parents struggle with. Like, you might feel like you do everything right, but your kid keeps making bad choices. You're not responsible for your children's choices. You're responsible to show them the right path. Right, that's your role. Uh, notice this, you can't make them go. So I think one of the things a lot of parents struggle with is today they just want to help their kids so much that they can overparent at times. There's a, a phrase that's popular called helicopter parenting. A lot of the young couples who are parenting, who I observe, they're not so much in danger of neglecting their kids, but more so smothering them. It's over-parenting, it's over-protectiveness, over-controlling, over-perfecting, this helicopter parenting style, uh, something maybe some of you struggle with. Maybe you know someone who is like this. Maybe you do this. I think parents do this for different reasons. That makes sense. Sometimes it's out of fear. You know, they, they, they struggle with this idea that, you know, it's a scary world out there, so I've got to protect my kid. This is the mom, like, you tape your kid up in foam and bubble wrap before, before she goes out to play, and even then you won't let her out of your sight. <laughs> this, is, this is the parents who, you've been coming to church here for two years, you still won't check your kids into the nursery. I get it, man. Like the first time we checked our baby into the nursery, I was nervous. Like, I was like, man, they're not going to love her as much as we do. The thing is, they won't, but they'll love her well enough, like, she'll make it. That's all we need. This fear is that without me, my kids won't be okay, and you can wrestle with that. Like, if I'm not there, if I don't help them, they won't get good grades, and they won't get into college, they won't get a good job, and they'll live alone in a cardboard box forever, and it'll be all my fault. 
is fear. Oftentimes, what I, what I found is that it's more the parents who are suffering from separation anxiety than the kids. Another reason parents overparent sometimes is they're overcompensating. Like maybe you didn't feel loved. Maybe you didn't feel like you got enough attention growing up, and you don't want your kids to feel that way. Sometimes it's because of peer pressure. You see other helicopter moms and dads all up in their kids' business, and so you feel guilty if you're not doing all the same things they're doing. This helicopter parenting style, like parents who do this, they mean well, but it can be damaging. Research shows us that that kids um, who are parented this way, they can struggle with decreased confidence and self-esteem levels because a lot of times they never learn to do it themselves, and their parents showed them, we don't trust you to do it yourself. Sometimes they struggle with undeveloped coping skills, increased anxiety, a sense of entitlement, like my mom does everything for me, you should do everything for me, Uh, undeveloped life skills, being a helicopter parent like this, it might seem safer, and in some ways it might be in the short run, but it will backfire in the long run. Because parents, you won't always be there. You won't always be there to protect them. You won't always be there to help them. That's why you've got to train them up in the way they should go. So that when you're not there, they will know. They will know what to do. and They'll be self-sufficient. That's the goal. And the opposite side of, of, of the scale from helicopter parenting is, is overly permissive parenting, passive parenting. I heard, I heard it actually titled this. It's called free-range parenting. <laughs> you just let your little kids roam. You just let them discover things for themselves. You know, you just let them try things. That's how they figure it out, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, if they eat poison and throw up, that's just part of the process. <laughs> You know, this, this method, it says that, like, boundaries and, and rules are oppressive. You've got to let them try it and discover for themselves. You know, free range is good for chicken, not so much for children. Because if something happens to your chicken, you just get another chicken. But you can't do that with kids, right? And so they do need some protection and boundaries. There's got to be a better way. You've got to train them up. How do you do that? Train them up. I'm going to talk about it. Here you go. First, train them up through discipline. I'm going to spend the most time talking about this one because it's, it's most misunderstood. Discipline is a good thing. And we know that because God disciplines us. And God is a perfect, good father. It says in Proverbs 3.11, My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you, for the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. What this is saying is something that we all know is true down deep in our hearts. It's that, it's that correction and discipline is what a father does for a child he loves. The fact that God disciplines us shows that he cares about us. Discipline in the King James Version is translated as chastisement, which is a great word. We should bring that back. But to be chastised is to be berated, uh, to be severely rebuked, like maybe even yelled at. Like, I don't know if you needed to hear this today, but some, sometimes you do need to yell at your kids. Like, hopefully not all the time. I actually yelled at my baby last week. Uh, she, was about to, she was about to put something in her mouth. And, and it would have been like a choking hazard. And so I gave her like that tone. You know, I, yell, I yelled at her with the voice. I was like, no! And she's like... <laughs> like, it really got her attention. That's discipline. 
It also carries the idea of like physical discipline, like, like spanking. I'll talk more about that in, in a moment here. This is what a loving father or mother does. This is what God does for us because he loves us. Some people hear this concept of like punishing children, and you're just like, oh, that's not, that's not okay. Here, here's what it says in Proverbs chapter 1. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of, here we go, the foundation of true knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. Fear of the Lord, one translation says, is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Discipline teaches kids to fear the consequences of breaking mom and dad's laws so that they don't have to learn the much more serious consequences of breaking God's laws. How many of you know that breaking God's laws has consequences? It does. Like a lot of us have learned that the hard way. There are just, there's just some realities that if you do it your own way, you go your own way, you break God's laws, like it can come with consequences. If you abuse substances, it uh, comes with consequences. If you sleep around, consequences. If you steal, if you lie, if you murder, there are consequences to breaking God's laws. It's better to learn when you're young. A healthy fear of defying your parents can save you from a lot of pain. Just like a healthy fear of defying God's laws can save your soul. And what this passage shows us is that it's the fear of the Lord that prevents you from becoming a fool. Fear of the Lord. And so fearing discipline, I think, can actually be a very helpful thing. For thousands of years, spanking your kids was a common method used by parents to sometimes discipline their kids. And I want to touch on this because in, in recent decades, it's kind, of, it's kind of gone out of fashion to spank kids. And some of you have heard this. You've heard people say, you know, it's abusive to spank kids. You shouldn't do that. that is, that's wrong. That's barbaric. That doesn't work. So let's think about that, right? People say, like, that doesn't work. You should. I even read one study that said you shouldn't even discipline kids. You shouldn't punish kids at all is what it said. You shouldn't punish kids at all. You should lure them into doing what you want with rewards. That's what it said. <laughs> oh, oh, man. That's what it said. Think about it, right? So, like, think about it. Let me ask you. The last 30, 40 years, now that we're so enlightened, has America become more polite and well-behaved? <laughs> Proverbs 29, 15 says, To discipline a child produces wisdom, but a mother is disgraced by an undisciplined child. So let's just first agree to do this. If you witness someone else's kid having a rough time or, like, let's say, melting down, let's just agree not to get all judgy on each other, okay? Let's not judge each other. I think that's happened sometimes in the past where you just assume that, you know, that other parent's not doing their job, but you don't know what they're going through. You don't know what that kid's going through. Let's not get all judgy. Your kid's going to have bad days, too. Can we just agree not to be all judgy, okay? But then here's what this passage says, that an undisciplined child, it brings hardship on you as parents. I knew one family in the church, and they had a, a difficult child, and he was a sweet kid, but, but man, he was acting out a lot and throwing fits and hitting people and screaming and just melting down all the time. And, and I would say, honestly, my opinion wasn't really his fault because his parents didn't really discipline him. You know, he's like, he's freaking out, and he's hitting people, and, and dad's there like, hey, buddy, no, let's not do that. <laughs> and the kid just like didn't care. 
No, let's not do that. Hey, hey, no, no, come on now. And then his family tells me, you know, we're having a hard time making friends at church. He said, we'll invite people over for dinner, and they don't want to come over. I'm like, it's probably because they know your kid's going to be there, bro. <laughs> like, your kid's a terrorist. And, and being terrorized by him on Friday night is not my idea of a good time. I mean, you kind of understand what this passage is talking about. Discipline's going to be different for each kid in your family, those of you who have multiple kids, based on their age and their personality. And some kids are going to need more than others. Amen, parents? Some of you already know I got one kid. He's going to get it. Like, she's going to need more. And that's just kind of how it tends to work in families. Let me just encourage you, you know, if kids do something wrong, they make a mistake or they have a bad moment, like, start lower and then escalate. First, you can give them a chance uh, to do it over. Give them a chance for a do-over. Give them a warning. Remind them of what it is you want them to do. Do. You know, they're just like little kids. They don't have great memories. Remind them. And then when they openly defy you, that's when you come with more serious punishment or discipline. That's, that's when a kid, you know, looks you right in the face and just bold face, just no. See, like, when I was growing up, when I did that, I was getting spanked. I was getting spanked, right? And, and you could also take away privileges, do time out, ground kids. But I'll tell you what, like, I was one of those kids. I needed to get spanked. If you took away my toys and my privileges, I would have been annoyed. But when you told me dad was going to spank me when, when he got home, now I'm scared. Like, I'm scared. Like, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You know, and my parents, they handled it really well. Like, man, they would come in, and they would be like, hey, son, we love you. Um, and this is exactly why you're going to get spanked, and, and we just want you to know we're doing this because we love you. And I'd get spanked, and then they'd be like, we love you. They'd, re they'd reaffirm, like, give me a hug, like, loving affection, like, we love you. Um, sometimes, though, if they were too mad, they would make me wait in my room until they calmed down enough to spank me, you know? Because, like... <laughs> You shouldn't spank your kids because you're mad, just to, like, vent your anger. Of course, that wouldn't be good. But what they would do is, like, they would wait till they calmed down to a, a healthy level. I'd be in my room just, like, in agony, just like, oh, my God. Like, like if my dad's so mad that he has to calm down, I'm, like, putting on eight pairs of underwear in there. Right? Like, if, if that hadn't happened, I'd probably be in jail right now. It's the beginning of wisdom. And some people hear that and they're like, oh, that's abusive. And there's probably been some times when people have abused their kids, but the word of God implies that for a lot of kids, probably the majority, it could be abusive not to. Let me show you this. Proverbs 23, 13. Don't fail to discipline your children. The rod of punishment won't kill them. It's almost like God knew that one day hippies would populate the earth. <laughs> and we just needed this comfort for our souls, like, don't worry, it's not going to kill them. Isn't it just genius how God created the human backside? It's like sensitive enough that spankings hurt, but cushioned enough to not cause lasting damage, right? Like, it's just genius. It's brilliant. It's like he knew what he was doing. And this word, the rod of punishment, in case you're curious, you can look it up, you can research this in Hebrew, this word rod, it actually means like literally a stick, like a branch. Like some of you remember a day and age when your dad was like, go cut yourself a switch. 
Like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> You'll think about that next time you hit your little brother, right? Like, it was, and, and that's what it's actually talking about. It's like physical punishment, and there's a time and a place for that. We know that parents sometimes have to bring punishment like this, and I want to just kind of caution a few, a few different types of parents uh, in the room. If you've experienced divorce and you're co-parenting with an ex, you might be at greater risk of failing to discipline. This is something I've observed. Uh, sometimes in that situation, parents, neither one wants to be the bad guy. They each want to be the favorite, and so they're tempted to want to spoil their kids and, and not be the one that has to discipline. That's not necessarily good for them. Or if you're a single parent, uh, for whatever reason, you have to be on guard because you can be tempted to turn your children into your primary source of companionship. And maybe, like, you want them to like you and be your friend, but you have to be their parent before you can be their friend. And that's why it's so important to be a part of a church family, because your church can support you. If you're a single mom, you know, your church can provide friendship, uh, and, and even there are men in the church who can, who can provide that kind of, they can fill in the gap where maybe that, that child needs some male uh, leadership in their lives. Uh, so the church is here to support you in that, both in the good times and in the bad times. In Proverbs 13, 24, it says, Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Some people will be like, well, how can I get my kids to listen to me? You know, I'll tell them to do things, and they don't ever do them. I'll, I'll, tell, my, I'll tell my kids, you know, like, come here, come here, come here. No, no, no. Go to your room, go to your room, go to your room. Go to your room, go to your room. And they don't listen. What do I do? It's like, why would you expect them to listen to you if you've already taught them they don't have to? You've already taught them there are no consequences to defying you. Why would they listen to you now? And that's why this passage says it's as if you hate them. Because you've set them up to fail potentially by teaching them there are no consequences to their actions. Boundaries and discipline actually make children feel safe and secure and loved. That's why a lot of kids find success in sports, because a coach will step in and do what some parents never do, which is discipline and correct their kids. And kids feel loved by that. That's why so many kids love their coaches. Proverbs 29, 17 says, Discipline your children, and they will give you peace of mind and will make your heart glad. If you're not getting any peace from your kids, it might be because they're not getting enough discipline from you. The thing is here, here's the thing. Nobody wants to discipline their kids. No one wakes up in the morning like, you know what would be really fun? I'm going to punish my kids today. Like that, nobody does that. You don't want to have to do this. You oftentimes feel like you have no other choice. Am I right? The thing, what we're doing in those moments is, is you're doing this. You're disciplining them today, which you don't want to have to do, so that hopefully, by God's grace, someday they'll become people you actually enjoy being around. That is why you do this. We get some warnings in scriptures. Father, uh, it says this, Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. One translation says, don't provoke them to anger, but raise them up with loving discipline and counsel that brings the revelation of our Lord. The way you you treat them, it should help them understand the Lord. Your discipline should be loving. That tells you there could also be an unloving type. Don't exasperate them. Don't provoke them to anger. Well, you have to ask, how does that happen? How do you do that? 
It's not just, you know, teasing them or giving them a hard time. That's what dads do. They tease their kids. What it's, I think, referring to is, is incorrectly, inappropriately disciplining them. Sometimes maybe being too harsh. Remember we read, train them up, not beat them down. Maybe being too strict, maybe holding them to impossible standards. You can't expect your kids to behave in a way that it took you 30 years to figure out, right? Or you could exasperate them by being too permissive, too passive. That will actually provoke them to anger too. I see a lot of kids that act out just to get their parents' attention because their parents are too passive sometimes. We know parenting is going to be different for each kid. And so I believe this. God will give you individually wisdom on how to parent each child, how to appropriately discipline each child. I think in a lot of families, each kid will be different. My, my little sister growing up, you know, she was like just really sweet natured. And, and if my dad even told her, you're in trouble, she would just start crying and she'd start confessing all of her sins and say she was sorry. And she like really meant it. Like, I think she really meant it. She, whereas me, if you told me I was in trouble, I'd be just as likely to flip you off as say I'm sorry. <laughs> one of those kids did not get spanked very often, and one of those kids did. <laughs> and I needed it. Like, I deserved it. <laughs> Loving discipline meets kids on their level based on their age and personality. And parents, you're not perfect. You're not going to get this perfectly right all the time. That's just, just the way it is, because you're a human being. You're going to mess this up sometimes, but, but still, don't be afraid of disciplining your children. Be afraid of what happens when you don't. You train them up through discipline. Here's the next thing. You train them up through teaching, through teaching. Your kids' primary teachers are not their school teachers, not even their pastors at church. Their primary teachers are you. Next time you look in the mirror, you can thank a teacher. It's you. You're their primary pastors. Deuteronomy 6.5, it says this. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So what this is saying here, by tying it on your hand and your forehead, it's saying that the word of God and the commands of the Lord should dictate all of your thoughts and all of your actions. Everything you put your hands to, all the ways that you think should be dictated and really led by the word of God right? The doorposts of your home and the gates of a city were very symbolic in Old Testament times, really represented the city. Very significant things happened there. You think about during the Passover, God told the Israelites, he told them, put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of your home. So when it says to write it on the doorpost of your house, on your gates, it's a way of saying, you're declaring that for our family, for our household, the word of God defines us. God is supreme. He is number one in our family. This passage, if you go back to the previous slide, this passage, it really describes some parenting techniques. When it says, repeat them again and again. A lot, a lot of parents, you know, you feel like you're on repeat sometimes, right? I told you. 
Your kids are like, yeah, we know, Dad. That's what you always say. That's what a good parent does. You repeat them again and again. You talk about them when you're at home, just going about your business. You know, kids, I was thinking about God today. When you're on the road, driving down the road, how, how are you doing in your heart, honey? Like uh, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up, you know, you tell them first thing in the morning, good morning, it's going to be a great day. God loves you. When they're going to bed, you pray with them and you speak truth to them. We sing to our daughter when she goes to bed. And that's how you teach them. And what this passage is showing us is that teaching is more like on-the-job training than classroom instruction. This is where some think, I think Christian families struggle sometimes because they can make teaching too structured. Especially if you grew up in a Christian family, right? Maybe, maybe some of you grew up in a family where, you know, your parents meant well. So they were like, all right, kids, come on, we're going to have a Bible study. Come on, get together. You're like six years older. Here's mom. You know, we're going to go through the Old Testament, the minor prophets, and we're going to really get into it, study the book of Revelation. And like, we're going to figure it out. And you're there like, I don't even care. I don't care about this. <laughs> you know, like, and they don't care. They don't care. And that's why you've got you've to teach them as you're doing life with them. You turn small, everyday moments into teaching moments. That's actually in some ways more powerful. You know, your kids will see you and be like, you know, Mom, why are you giving that homeless guy a bottle of water? And you'll get to talk about generosity and, and loving people in need. I remember when I was a kid asking my dad, Dad, why are you writing that check he said, son, that's a tithe check. I'm like, why are you giving that much money to the church? He said, I'm not giving this money to the church. I'm returning this money to God through the church. And I was just like, Phew. I remember seeing my mom. My mom told the cashier clerk at one, at one place, she told, oh, you gave me the wrong change. You gave me too much change back. I was a teenager. I'm like, mom, what are you doing? <laughs> no. <laughs> what are you doing? I got to learn about integrity. <laughs> Integrity, it's a thing. This is opportunity to teach your kids God's commands. And it happens as you go about your lives. Hear me on this. The most impactful parenting happens in little moments, in these little moments. The challenge for you as a parent is this. You can't pour out what you don't already have in you. I heard a lot of parents, you know, they say, I know I should read the Bible more. Well, if you ever needed motivation to read the word of God and understand it, do it for your kids. Do it for your kids. Some parents, they spend more time researching recipes or what vacuum they're going to buy or who to start in their fantasy football lineup than they do actually preparing to be successful parents. You can't teach what you don't know. This is one of the ways you train your kid up. It's through teaching. And then here's the third thing. Train them up through modeling through modeling. Parenting is really leadership. You're leading your kids. You won't be a perfect parent because you're not a perfect person. And you're also on your own journey. You are making your own mistakes and learning and growing by God's grace. You know, you're not going to be perfect. You can't expect to be. Parenting is there for leadership. And I think it looks a lot like what Paul said to Timothy. Uh, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. He said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I'm not perfect, but I know who is. I I don't have all the answers, but I know who does. So just kind of follow me as I follow Christ. That's what a parent does. There's an example of this in 2 Timothy 3.10. And this is Paul, the apostle, speaking to Timothy, who was like a spiritual son to him. And he said, but you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith 
my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured, but the Lord rescued me from all of it. This is showing us what it looks like to model behavior. He's saying, you have seen my life. You heard what I teach, and you saw what I do. Paul modeled this behavior for his spiritual son. You saw my purpose. You, you, you watched me live out my faith. And, and what he's communicating here is my faith became your faith. And that's what parents want, isn't it? You want your kids to catch what you've got. You want your kids to grow up right and be successful? Here's what you got to do. Be the person you want your kids to become. Because they're going to model what you practice. And teaching with words is important, but it's even more effective to live it out through your actions. You've got to let them see you live your life with a faith that results in good works. You've got to show them what it looks like to love with patience and kindness. Uh, a lot of times, the main difference between a good parent and a bad parent is just simply endurance. Like Paul talked about, endurance. You see my endurance, right? Parents, here, here's how you're successful. Primarily, just don't quit. Just don't quit. You mess up, get back up, and keep going, right? Keep loving your spouse, keep loving your kids, keep serving the Lord. Just don't give up. When you fall, that's okay. When you mess up, that's okay because that's a great opportunity to show your kids what it looks like to be rescued by the Lord. And 2020 has been a difficult year to parent, but it's also been a great opportunity to parent. Because as we're going through difficult times, you can model what it looks like to have the joy of the Lord in the midst of suffering. You're not asked to be a perfect example, but to show your kids a perfect Savior. And one of the most important ways you can do this is by modeling the action of confession and repentance. It's tempting sometimes, I think, as a parent to want to be just like Superman to your kids and, and not show them that you're weak, right? And so some parents, like, maybe you want to brush under the rug when you make mistakes. Don't do that. That is a huge missed opportunity. Yep. When you make a mistake, when you blow it, one, your kids probably noticed, or they will look back and realize it later. So what you can do in that moment that's extremely beneficial to them is you go to them and you confess and you say, hey, Hey, son, I'm sorry, I blew it. Please forgive me. Hey, mom, mom, she made a mistake. Please forgive her, right? You're showing them, you're modeling the gospel of Jesus Christ in that moment. You're showing that we all have sinned and fall short of God's glory and that we need forgiveness through Jesus Christ. You can show them what that looks like. And in those moments of weakness, you're going to highlight God's strength. Your imperfections will magnify God's grace for your kids. So do that. Just show them. And, man, they're going to grow in so much respect for you as they see you lead in that way. I know most parents, it really comes down to this. They, they worry about their kids, and they just want their kids to be okay. Even adult parents with adult kids, you just want your kids to be okay. And, and really, like, you think about the big things that you want for them. You want them to, to be healthy. You want them to be safe. 
You want them to get a good education. You want them to uh, marry a good person and find their place in the world. You want them to be happy. These are big goals. These are lofty goals. You want them to be okay. And I think sometimes you get so focused on these big goals that it can be overwhelming to you in the day-to-day moments. And so what I feel like some of us need to understand is that these big wins are made up of thousands of small wins. These big wins come through thousands of small wins. It, it, it's not that you can just, you know, snap your finger and your kid will grow up someday to be a huge success. The way that they, they grow up to be okay is you just keep doing the right thing, like these little moments day in and day out. Like those little moments helping them with their homework and just loving them and feeding them and playing with them. These little wins are what add up and create these big wins. And the good thing about that is that if you do mess up along the way, and we all will, if you blow it, you don't have to worry and freak out because you're going to nail it way more often than you blow it. And I feel like what God wants to encourage someone with today is this. You take care of the little things and let God take care of the big things. Let God worry about the big things. Your kids need you as parents. But here's the thing. They don't need you to be God. Parents make lousy gods, don't they? So this is what I want to close with, this final encouragement. Do what you can do and let God do what only he can do. You do what you can do. You're a parent. It's important, right? But you got to let God do what only he can do. You can teach your kids, and you should, but only God can open their eyes to see the truth. You can help them, but only God can get them through. You can feed them, but only God can satisfy their souls. Right? You can protect them, but only God can save them. You cannot save your kids. All you can do is introduce them to our loving Savior. Right? Don't try to be God. And be encouraged in this. God has a plan for your kids. The fact that you're with us right now gathered together in this moment, it should be proof to you that God loves your kids because he puts you in their lives. It shows that God has a plan for your children to give them hope and a future. Not to harm them, but to bless them and prosper them. And he's going to do it through you. He's going to do it through you. And the great thing is he's going to help you along the way. He's going to help you. So I want to pray for you. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the gift of children. Lord, we need your help to be the kind of parents that we want to be. We thank you for your word that teaches us wisdom and teaches us truth. But God, we don't always put it into practice the right way and and as effectively as we want to. And so today, God, I'm praying for our people, for our church, God, your people whom you love, that you would give them wisdom to handle all the crazy problems of 2020, that you would give them strength to keep going, give them endurance, and remind them of your love for them so that they can pour that love out on other people. I pray for all the kids represented by the parents in this room, that you would prosper them, God, that you would bless them. And if any of them are far from you, God, I pray that you would chase them down and just save them radically and transform them through the Holy Spirit, Lord. We thank you for your loving kindness that never fails. We thank you that you never give up on us and you never will in Jesus' name, amen, amen.